Welcome to Season 3 of the M-W Tactical Podcast. Sit back and enjoy the conversations of the mad scientist and myself as we discuss the sport of shooting, goals, training, and everyday life. You are listening to the M-W Tactical Podcast. All right, good people. We're back at it again. Another installation of the M-W Tactical Podcast. And this week, we have a special guest with us. But before we do anything, I do want to say the sponsor for this week's show is CAE Transfers. They're a transfer company out of Columbia, South Carolina, and they have the cheapest prices in the state when it comes to firearm transfers. So please go look up CAE Transfers. And if you're in the Columbia, South Carolina area or visiting the area and you need a transfer, look up and hit up CAE Transfers for all your transfer needs. Um, Moving forward, I do want to thank everyone who listens to the show in the States and abroad. It is very much welcome and appreciated. And for those of you who live abroad and listen, please contact us and we would like to bring you on to the show. So email us, DM, send a message on Facebook, send us your phone number overseas and we will contact you and we will make that happen. Also remember 30 April through 2 May, the South Carolina section is taking place and registration is open now. And to let everyone know, the mad scientist is looking for everyone who listens to this podcast to come out to Belton, South Carolina and shake his hand. Yes, so, come out there. Yeah. So without further ado, I want to go ahead and bring in the co-hostess with the mostest, my man with the plan, the dude who does everything on the technical aspect when it comes to firearms, the mad scientist himself, Dave. What's going on, Dave? What's going on, Mike? Not too much. And um, actually bringing in another special co-host for the show i have the one the only the little assistant herself little emma how's it going for you emma good you You said you wanted to do the podcast with me so we're doing the podcast yeah so we get to talk a little bit about firearms and um the safety aspect of it and just have fun right yeah all right so here we go hi emma good to see you (laughs) <laughs> all right so um how, how was your week Dave? uh it's pretty good uh i got busy um kind of end of the week we had an emergency project come through um which is good but it was just a bit unexpected and required a lot of uh attention a lot of a lot of time um on the computer programming stuff but got it done we got the Got the work accomplished. Hopefully, um, we'll make the customers happy. And I'm going to take a break tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> well, it sounded like it was something that had you on the go um, pretty much all day. So, um, and of course, going through the weekend. But yeah, as I've always said, busy is good when it comes to work. It is good. It was just uh, quite unexpected and immediate. Uh, but yeah. It was good. Turned out good. Hopefully um, something good will come of it and we'll, we'll get some good business out of it. Hey, that's what it is right there. So, 
pushing forward. This is week number two. She actually is back in the seat again. This time, there are no straps in the seat holding her in place. She came out of her own free will. She said she is ready to tackle this. I have my own opinion that says, I don't know, but she is still with us. Giving us the female perspective when she does speak, the one and only Coach B. What's going on, B? Hi, Michael. Hi, Dave. Hi, Emma. We need your input. Yes, we need the female perspective. And you are the probably the only one brave enough female-wise to come on to the show and have the conversation with us. So how, how has your week glad been, you're there, back. Coach B? It's been good. A um, little busy. MW Tactical definitely keeps me busy. So that's where I'm at. Yeah, I got it. I got it. Um, has anything popped up on the radar that interests you um far as in the relation of going on in the gun industry or anything political as far as the revolving around firearms that caught your ear caught your eye no just looking forward to getting out shooting some matches because i haven't shot in several weeks so i'm just waiting for that yeah it's, it's hard to do we've We've come from the last few years of, of shooting a match every weekend right. to where we are right now, kind of worried about what matches we can shoot. <laughs> yeah. so, so one thing um, I was I have been doing since I cut back on doing like a lot of local matches, I caught myself thinking more about projects I want to do. And mm-hmm. one project I want to do is I want to build stuff around the house and remodel a lot of stuff around the house. So one project I do particularly want to step in on is the remodeling of my closet and my bedroom. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I like got you buy a house and it only has those wire hangers um, shelves in yeah. the closet. So I want to take that out and I want to build cupboards and I want to put like a little section for my suits, a little section for my um, hang up shirts, my button down shirts. You have suits. Yeah, man, I got a few of them. You know? <laughs> Very I, li- nice. I like that song by ZZ Top. You know, they say every woman's crazy about her sharp dress, man. Yeah. <laughs> I have so, a suit, but I don't think I can fit into it anymore. <laughs> oh, man. So when I went over to Korea, that was my second duty station. When I left Korea, I ended up getting a couple custom-made suits over there. Oh, and, cool. Yeah, and I had like 18 of them. Be able to bring them back? Yeah, I, I bought them all back. Yeah. So um, I left them. Uh, well, I was mailing them back to the States to my, my buddy who lived in Colorado. So we was real close at my first duty station. We was on the same basketball team. And all 18 suits was ready for me to come back to the States, go pick them up. His house burned down. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> so um, Gosh. I, I was upset about that, but it wasn't nothing I could really do about it. Uh, I was just glad to know that, you know, um, my man, John and his family were safe and, you know, still functional and everything. So I went on ahead and started rebuilding my wardrobe, my suit wardrobe. And at this point in time, up until, because I stopped buying 
my I bought my last suit maybe three years ago. And um, I ended up getting like 13 of them. Like that was my last count. But that was over the course of years. Yeah. So you got to remember my weight fluctuated a lot because, you know, doing like cage fighting, um, the constant working out, the times I wasn't working out. So my weights were always up and down. So some suits are bigger, look look like my dad's suits. <laughs> the suits look like they might fit me. And so yeah, when, when I was doing all range. that, I I could not consume enough calories to to increase weight at all. I was burning so many calories when I was doing the martial arts stuff. Right. Now things are a bit different. <laughs> but, you know, um, Coach B has her own form of um, martial arts that she be doing. You know, um, what your martial arts is walking down the aisles of certain what um clothing stores what What are you talking about (laughs) like your martial arts isn't that your martial arts you got the keen eye for a sale (laughs) that's my cardio shopping that's it oh i've I've been shopping with my wife a couple times and it is definitely cardio oh wow michael always tells me If you want me to walk with me, you got to slow down. Yeah, you know, I, I can't walk fast anyway. So that's one thing I do like about when we be out there shooting and um, when we be walking to one stage to the next stage, everybody walks slow because they're pulling their carts. Mm-hmm. And um, naturally, I can't walk fast because one explosion that I was in, it kind of uh, messed up my back a little bit. And when it messed up my back, it affected my hips. So I got to take shorter steps to be in that comfortable range. I can't take the long strides. So, and one day we was walking, she was just running from me and then she said, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I was like, no, you're good. You're good. If you need to get there, go ahead. I'll catch up. I know where you're going. (laughs) So I don't, I just don't see a reason to to do it anymore since I'm more comfortable with, you know, taking my time when I'm walking. Yeah. What do you do for cardio? We got a race going on, don't we? Yeah. Yeah. We supposed to be doing a race and, um, what race are you doing? Yeah, you're gonna lose. It's the she calling it the guys versus the girls. Okay. You know what, what are you racing? So, who are you racing? Who's gonna be in the race? Daddy and Bryson. Okay. So you remember Bryson who used to shoot last year? Yeah, I remember him. We got in some sights on his uh on yeah. his gun. Yeah, so it's supposed to be me and Bryson against the little assistant and coach B. So, what, what race is like a foot race what yeah, a foot race yeah yeah because she says she's super fast so i was like okay let's find out so emma you're super fast yeah awesome <laughs> how fast do you run um so fast you run like so the fast? flash oh wow okay see i'm not really like flash I'm not, not quite that fast, fast. well i'm fast but not like flash no, yeah okay. he kind of cheats though yeah he does because he has superpowers. Yeah. Not fair. No, it's not fair. I agree. <laughs> yeah, I totally agree. <laughs> All right. So um and let's let's take a quick commercial break. And when we come back, let's hit up these main topics. And then this week's interview, we're gonna talk about something, and it's pretty funny how it kind of went down. And you know, the mad scientists got called out. So everybody, please stay in your seats and here are a few words from our sponsors. 
Hey, this is Brian Conley at Hunter's HD Gold. If you've never tried Hunter's HD Gold, then I challenge you to find me at a match next year. Go to the website under scheduled events, find out where I'm gonna be, come meet me in person and demo a pair for yourself. Find out why shooters across the United States are changing to Hunter's HD Gold to get 43% more light to their eyes, better contrast, eyes that are not fatigued at the end of the day based on the, the colors that we use, and find out the real meaning of why they change so you don't have to. So check us out on our website, huntershdgold.com, and I look forward to seeing you at the range soon. JM4 Tactical has developed a state-of-the-art polymer holster that will quickly become your go-to holster. With high quality Hermit Oak leather, securely sewn to the interior of the molded outer Bolteron shell, your draw becomes silent and no more scratches up and down your firearm. When seconds count, you can rest assured that you will have the upper hand when you need it most. Whether you carry open or concealed, the Relic Holster is available in four different models fitting over hundreds of different style guns. The new reliable, easy, light, individual carry holster by JM4 Tactical. Order your relic today at jm4tactical.com. What's up, good people? This is Michael Woodland from M-W Tactical. This is Coach B from M-W Tactical. And we are asking for your help with two GoFundMe campaigns that we have started. The first one is we are making a professional movie and it's gonna be about our day-to-day -day life within the sport of shooting. Details about this campaign can be found by visiting gofundme.com forward slash we are making a professional movie. The second campaign, we are asking for you to donate to give financial assistance for those who cannot financially get the training they deserve. Remember, there are a lot of first-time gun owners out there, and I am asking for everyone in the gun industry to come together and make our community stronger. For more details, visit gofundme.com forward slash free firearms training. Remember how important training is to keep everyone informed and safe. All right, good people. We're back at it again. And thank you for coming back for round two of the M-W Tactical Podcast. Um, this week, uh, we have an interview, and that's going to come in the third segment of the show. And the person who we're interviewing this week is J.J. Ricaza. And of course, we know J.J. actually put out a few challenge drills for everyone. And the mad scientist was doing these drills and he actually ended up catching JJ in one of them. <laughs> so during the interview, you're going to hear me talk to JJ about it in a sense. And he comes back and says he's going to throw a challenge out to the mad scientist solely for the mad scientist. Okay. <laughs> We're going to see right. how this is going to turn out. <laughs> see what he's got with his. 1980s Beretta uh -oh. 92. Here we go. The challenge has been made. Accepted. <laughs> <laughs> so, so what, what do you think about this challenge there, Coach B? I think it's going to be interesting. Yeah, I, I think so too. I can't wait. I think so too. I don't know what he's got, man. We'll yeah. see. It'll be fun. Yeah, I think it will be also. So we, we had a great conversation. So um, please, everybody, just stay tuned for um, the interview that's coming after the next commercial break. But before we even get that far into it, 
Uh, what matches are you planning on shooting for this shooting season? So I just I started looking over the last couple of weeks trying to get matches planned, and I've got the uh, of course we got the South Carolina section match, which I'm I'm actually directing, but um shooting that match and uh i'm gonna miss the carolina classic this year because it is falling on the same weekend as the area five championship i tried to shoot the area five championship last year but because of the the crazy covid schedule things got postponed and moved around so i didn't get to shoot it so i really want to do that this year so i'll miss the carolina classic which is always one of my favorite matches to shoot and i really feel bad about missing it but I've been trying to shoot the area five now for two years. I'm going to try to make it happen this year. Um, now is the area five, that's not the, I mean, um, the Carolina classic, is that the North Carolina or is that? Area? Yeah. No. Yeah. yeah that's that's North Carolina, match. North Carolina match. Yeah. Okay. And it's always, I love the match. It's always one of my favorite matches to shoot throughout the year. And I, I hate that I'm missing it, but it's just the way it's going to happen this year. Yeah, I had a bad experience at that one, but it, it was mainly my fault. Um, oh, that was a DQ, wasn't it? It was a DQ, but year. the yeah. match, I was doing so good on that first stage, and I was like, man, and I felt like I got a little overconfident, and then when I got to the stage that DQ'd me, I was like, oh, I'm going to show everybody what I got. <laughs> <laughs> Came out that holster, and, you know, 10 feet in front of me. Round shot, one off, so I'm like, shot a hole in the holster. Yeah, not the holster, but <laughs> it was somewhere oh in the dirt. It was in the video, so it happened. So, but uh, I'm I'm planning on shooting the I don't know what they call Georgia State. Is it the Georgia State Steel Challenge that that Steel Challenge match everybody's putting on? Okay, yeah, he that's the one. On, uh, Jamie is doing. Yeah, Jamie, at, um, you had on the we had on the podcast uh, a few weeks ago, right? So I'm planning on um, going down there shooting that in March. I haven't shot Steel Challenge much at all, but I'm gonna I'm gonna shoot a few steel local Steel Challenge matches up coming up to that just to get a little more practice in. Um, and then we've got the Area Six Championship in April, second weekend in April. I'm gonna shoot that. And then uh, last weekend in April, first weekend in in uh, uh, May is South Carolina section match um that's what i'm looking at there and then i want to pick up a couple local matches at uh pine tucky gun club mm-hmm. and um mid carolina gun club um those are the two local matches i'm going to try to focus on this year um we've got area five where's area five's coming up in september it's the second weekend in september which happens to be the same weekend as the Carolina Classic. Um, if you guys um, want to shoot a level two match, uh, there is not a better match that I've ever been to than the Carolina Classic. You guys make sure you get out there. It's not far away from the Southeast if you're in the area. Um, it's the second weekend in September. I'm going to shoot the Area Five uh, Championship which is also going to be a fun match, level three match. October, the national championship is coming up again. Um, looks like one, two, three, fourth weekend in October is the high cap uh, national championship. 
hopefully we make it through all that and um maybe we can pick up another one or two in november and december but um okay. I'm, I'm planning on working on uh gm classification near this year um i didn't really do much to work toward that last year i was just focused on uh you know, match performance and, and, and a lot of movement stuff is what I was focused on last year. Right. So I'm going to try to shoot some more classifiers and um, see if I can't make it there this time. Well, for this year, I've already set it in my mind that I'm going to do Nationals Area 6 and the South Carolina State match, the sectional um, that we're planning. Um, another one that I was really looking for, I really enjoyed it last year in 2020 was the Georgia State match. I really did that enjoy fun. that one. That was a fun one. Yeah, and it was the way it flowed, it was like they really put the time in and it, the dedication they did, it was smooth operations. So, mm -hmm. so I really enjoyed that match. And then Area 5 was the one we were supposed to shoot. And then once the COVID pandemic hit, the haywire, it was everywhere. Yeah, and yeah, there was so much confusion going on with that. I'm sitting back like, okay, did I pay for this? Did I not pay for this? Or do I owe somebody money for this? What's going on here? So, um, but area five, I do want to go ahead and tackle that one also. So as of right now, I am looking at five matches, major matches for this year. Last, in 2020, I did seven. Yeah. So I said I wanted to do between five and six this year. Yeah, I shot a lot last year. Even with all the craziness going on, I still I still made a lot of major matches. But right. this year I'm trying to hopefully can make plans and, and the plans stick. Yeah. They, they... <laughs> now, here's one of my plans that I plan on doing because the goal is ultimately to make master. But as of right now, the short-term goal is to make a class. My plan is, of course, stick with dry fire. I'm hitting the gym, I'm working out. <clears throat> At the same time, I wanna work more on movement as you stated what you worked on last year. Mm -hmm. The other side of it is I'm gonna pull back from doing stage designs and doing all the setup and just focus more on me and shooting for 2021 yeah 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 there's so much we get so involved with with so many aspects of the sport Great. sometimes you do have to kind of step back and you know let somebody else take that stuff on and to, to progress yourself we apologize for having to cut this segment of the show short since the show went over the upload requirement with Saz, we decided to shorten it so you can continue to hear the interview with J.J. Ricaza in its entirety with no interruptions. Please head on over to the M-W Tactical YouTube channel and catch the whole conversation that took place with the mad scientist, Coach B, the little assistant, and myself. We apologize for any inconvenience, and thank you for listening. I'm sure I'll see him soon. Yeah, so... Um, like I said, we, we talked a little bit about the matches that he has coming up, and I do know that he will be doing nationals, And but we didn't get into the other major matches that he was going to shoot as um, far as the schedule goes, because in conversation, it sounded like he was still working on his schedule, but I do yeah. know he stated that nationals 
was what he was going to be at. You know, for one guaranteed match for next year was Nationals or this year. No, I'm sorry, but um, yeah, let's go ahead and um, get ready. Hold on, before we do that, you got anything else you want to talk about there, Coach B? Yeah, you see, you see what I'm saying? You put a put a microphone in front of her face. Now you still get the hand and arm signals. <laughs> you don't <laughs> you don't get the vocal <laughs> the vocal answers anymore. You still get the the head and arm. <laughs> Coach B, when's your next uh, match? I know for sure the South Carolina match, but before that, honestly, I'm really not sure. I have some personal things I'm working on. I got a personal goal that I got to meet. Yeah. Hopefully mm -hmm. by March. That's my plan anyway, and that's going to take a lot of my time, so I'm not going to have time for a dry fire. And What? You better have time for a dry fire. Uh, I don't want to hear that. I don't want to hear it. Yeah, like I said, if anything... Make time. Um, Make time yeah. for dry fire. What I'm thinking about doing is implementing... Because, you know, like when she puts on the calendar, I got to do something. So I'm thinking about <laughs> returning that favor <laughs> at least two times a week, dry fire. You know, and then yeah. after she gets finished with this project that she has to work on, then turn it around and now bump it up to at least four times a week, you know, going into the South Carolina State. Well, match. good. It said the match is coming up soon. Yeah, it'll be here before you know it. So, yeah, if but, I can get my project done by the first of March, then I'll be good. Good. Can, I'll give you a month. Yeah. Yeah. I think that'll be enough time for her to, to rock it out. Yeah. So you got anything else you want um, to um, put in the ears of the good people there, Dave? Um, I've started in a, a group on MeWe. Um, what's, what's MeWe? It's a, a relatively new social media group um, where you are not concerned about censorship when it comes to the 2A community. That stuff has kind of been happening um, or, you know, around Facebook and, and Instagram and YouTube a little bit. And, um, I'm just getting it started. It seems like it might be a good thing. Still kind of a small, um, community there, but, um, mewe.com, um, CSRA shooters, check us out there. Uh, still, still on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, um, but it's, a, it's just another uh, social media platform that I'm, that I'm investigating and uh, checking out. Okay. I want to say I heard somebody talking about MeWe before. And I kind of laughed at the name when I first heard it. I never really looked into well, it. Well, it is a it silly about. name, but it's. Yeah. Um, but it's something that it will stick because it's so silly. You know, it's catchy. But I never researched it, but I think I might check it out. Go it's, ahead and check it out and see what it's well, about. Well, Parler was, was the another social media platform that I was interested in, but they got pretty well <laughs> removed from the internet right? <laughs> um, because of powers to be. And right. that's a little concerning for me. And I, it's just um, the, the MeWe platform, something else I'm looking into. Man. My social media only reaches out to Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. But like I said, majority of the time, the stuff that's being posted on social media is Coach B posting it anyway. It's not me posting it. So I just sit back and when people say something, I'll be like, huh? 
Oh, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I got to turn my phone on and be like, oh, let me, let me see what they're talking about. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, okay, yeah, I got you. <laughs> so, um, but you know how that goes sometimes. But yeah, um, I try to stay, majority of the time you see me on my phone, I'm playing a game on my phone. <laughs> you know, um, was it pool, chess, Sudoku, <laughs> the brick game you take a ball and you gotta break the bricks you know but i do that stuff just to stay busy when i have to time it on my phone emma what's your favorite phone game Uh oh what's your what's your game on the tablet you play my hide and seek game yeah hide and seek yeah it's, it's pretty interesting when if you hear us say it you'd be like hold on we used to play that when we were kids but the game literally is a little humanoid figure Mm-hmm. And then you see somebody else with like a red triangle radar bar and they're chasing around and you just got to try to avoid them. And it's like a maze. You got to run around there. Oh, it's pretty okay. interesting. I was yeah. like, okay. But I like it because it really focuses on hand and um, hand and eye coordination. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So. And it's also very fun because there's also like, coins and like gold bars and there's also like a thing when you can go through like the walls and there's also one when you're really fast oh it's like a speed boost yeah yeah awesome and there's that also does something. a bonus level with a lot of coins excellent i like coins yeah yeah so like i said the game is pretty <laughs> interesting she sat there and gave me a in-depth you know, tutorial of what to do, how to play it, how to get to it. <laughs> so I was like, yeah, I'm ready for this hide and seek game now. So, but she, she did that before we went to dinner. Like we were sitting there, we was waiting and she gave me that little class and I was like, very oh, cool. Man. Sounds like a lot more than just hide and seek. It sounds fun. Oh yeah. Yeah. There's, there's a lot more to it, but um, at the same time, you just got to restrict a lot of nonsense that your children get into, <laughs> but luckily she's not into that stuff. <laughs> you know so. well it's a trap yeah a lot of people try to trap you into it so. yeah but um let's go ahead and jump into this commercial and then um hear what our sponsors have to say but then turn up your headsets and the volumes on your car radios or even your stereo in your house and let's hear what jj has to say in regards to the challenge yeah, I can't wait. Mad <laughs> Let's see what JJ's got to say. <laughs> He's only been doing so, this for about 25 years. So. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, without further ado, please, everyone, stay in your seats, turn the volume up, and hear our few words from our sponsors. Hey, this is Brian Conley with Hunter's HD Gold, and you are listening to the M-W Tactical Podcast. What's up, good people? Thank you for taking the time and listening to the M-W Tactical Podcast. Please, go visit the M-W Tactical store at www.m-wtactical.com forward slash store and help support our efforts by purchasing a shirt or two. If you haven't done so, go follow us on Instagram and Facebook by searching for M-W Tactical. The gun cleaners. Our solvent is 
I think second to none. Our lube is second to none. Their lube's heavier than water, which is just a huge thing. People don't really put a lot of thought into that, just how huge that is to have on your gun, especially with concealed carry. The gun cleaners. Oh, yeah, most definitely. You know, you're going to sweat a lot of the other lubes off. With ours, it'll stay there. The gun cleaners. And maintaining the quality of the process, the quality of the end result, is another. And you guys are able to do both with the process that you have there. Order your supply of the lube and the solvent at www.theguncleaners.com. Are you in the market to purchase your first or next firearm, but find the atmosphere of a gun store intimidating, crowded, or uninviting? There's a way for you to purchase the gun you want while avoiding the crowds, the gruff salesmen, and the marked up prices that come with a brick and mortar gun store. The process is called a transfer, where the purchase is made in an online store and sent to a federally licensed middleman called an FFL, who processes the paperwork and background check for a firearm purchase. CAE Transfers is the FFL with the lowest transfer cost in the Midlands at only $20 or $15 with the presentation of a South Carolina concealed weapons permit and $10 for repeat customers. If you live in Columbia, South Carolina or its surrounding areas, choose CAE Transfers as your FFL during checkout and let me help you complete your online gun purchase. You can find and follow CAE Transfers online at Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram using at CAE Transfers. Thank you for your business, and I look forward to seeing you soon. I'm Jason Pratt, Masterclass USPSA shooter, owner of Brass Monkey Bullets. If you're interested in competition bullets, visit www.brassmonkeybulletsllc.com or call me at 423-967-1063. For more information, my email is brassmonkeybulletsllc.com at gmail.com. Thank you. What's up, good people? This is Michael Woodland from M-W Tactical. This is Coach B from M-W Tactical. And we are asking for your help with two GoFundMe campaigns that we have started. The first one is we are making a professional movie and it's going to be about our day-to-day life within the sport of shooting. Details about this campaign can be found by visiting gofundme.com forward slash we are making a professional movie. The second campaign we are asking for you to donate to give financial assistance for those who cannot financially get the training they deserve. Remember, there are a lot of first-time gun owners out there, and I am asking for everyone in the gun industry to come together and make our community stronger. For more details, visit GoFundMe.com forward slash free firearms training. Remember how important training is to keep everyone informed and safe. All right, good people. We're back at it again. And thank you for sitting through the commercial breaks. And this week's interview, we have someone that everybody looks at far as speed. They look at this guy as an immortal. This guy is phenomenal when it comes to shooting, right? So I've been following him for a couple of years. I actually spoke to him on a number of occasions and to actually get him on the podcast, I had to give out my left kidney to make this happen, you know? So without further ado, 
I would like to welcome JJ Ricasa to the M-W Tactical Podcast. How's it going for you, JJ? Hey, man, Mr. Willard, good to see you again, sir. It was, it's been good. It's been really good. Life's good here. Um, moved from Vegas to Florida, so here we're surrounded by family. So it's been a different lifestyle, and it's been amazing. Oh, man. So uh, I can honestly tell you, by me being ex-military, I hated moving, literally. And when I was stationed at Fort Stewart, I purposely kept re-enlisting to stay at Fort Stewart just so I can avoid moving. <laughs> Because I ended up staying there for like eight or nine years or something like that. <laughs> the, the things that you do, right? I've heard so many stories of people re-enlisting just to, just, to, just, just for random reasons. Oh, I got to re-enlist for this, for another Camaro, for whatever it may be. Right. <laughs> but yours was like, I don't want to freaking move. I don't want to do another PTS. Man, I, I hated it because what actually ended up taking place was when I, at that time frame, it was like you would stay at one location for two years. Do you get orders and it's time to go. And by the time you finish unpacking everything, it's time to pack it back oh, up. That's oh. the thing I hate it the most. You know, so re-enlisting was the reason I stayed in Georgia for so long. And then um, after that, they changed the standards, I guess, because then it went to like you stay at a location for at least three to five years. And that was based on your rank. And by the time I ended up leaving um, Fort Stewart, I was already at E6. And then when I made E7, and it was just easier after that. Rolling in the money at that time. <laughs> I wish. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so um, the first time I actually spoke with you, it was a couple years ago, and it was on social media. And I had just missed you because you had came out to Fort Benning, and I missed you by like a couple hours. And it was only because I was on a detail and we was actually talking through chat and you was like, yeah, we'll catch up eventually. And then the next time I seen you, it was at SHOT Show. And um, it was like, I turned around. I was like, yo, that was JJ. <laughs> and everybody was like, what? I said, yeah, just as fast as he's shooting, look how fast he's walking. <laughs> right? And that was on the range day uh, when I saw That's you that first right. time. That's right. Yeah. And then the next time I actually saw you was on the floor and we spoke for like about two or three minutes, but it was more people wanting to get your picture and everything. And I just wanted to talk. So I was like, okay, I'll catch up with you. And then um, the next time I seen you, it was at nationals. Yeah. And, and then, like I said, we sat there, we talked for like maybe six minutes at nationals. And then it was um, the arrangements of trying to get you onto the podcast. So like I said, I'm just glad you're here to actually do the podcast. Hey, man, I also want to, I want to say thank you so much for having me and having like, the patience and fortitude to like stick with it <laughs> to get me on. But really, the magic connection there was my wife. Like when she hit my wife up, like people always say, hey, dude, I want to get you on. Like they go right to me thinking that's like the straight, like, like that's like the easiest path right. to get me on. But I'm such a scatterbrain because I got so many things I'm trying to do mm -hmm. that whatever I just had a conversation an hour ago, I'm already moving on to the next one. If you, unless you hit me up constantly, right. I'll always, you know, I will never get to pass it on to my wife. Mm -hmm. So with the way you just did it, you hit up my wife and she was like, hey, this to this. I'm like, gosh, she's like, all right, I guess I'm doing it. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Like, like I said, I appreciate it. But um, your wife was, it was funny through the email traffic. So I was just like, oh, okay. She's, she has humor to her also. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> she does. She does. <laughs> Yeah, so that's what it is. So um, I don't want to ask the same questions that everybody else has been asking, like, um, where did you start? How did you start and all that? Because um, 
I feel like I already know that about you. And anybody who is listening, they can actually go to any interview and just track like how you actually got started and everything. But I would like to start from the um, sponsorship deal with Beretta. How did that come about? And then how much input did you have with Beretta for the firearm that you're using? Gosh, man, you know, that's, I get goosebumps every time someone asks me about that Beretta, but it has, I haven't had many interviews about it. I had like a couple of quick interviews like, hey, dude, you sign up, that's a big deal and all that stuff. The way that happened, I'm gonna tell you right now, it was straight up luck. Like there was a few decisions prior to that I ended up, I was supposed to shoot for another company. Right. I'm going to remain nameless. I'm not going to name anyone, whatever. But there was a contract I've already written up and we agreed on a contract and the terms. And however, that particular company couldn't get me an open gun. My deal was give me a gun, give me a gun so I can test it for at least a thousand rounds or test it in practice or shoot it in matches or whatever. Right. And for some reason, somehow, one way or another, they could never get me a gun, even a loaner gun. They could never get me a gun. And then here, lo and behold, I get a call out of nowhere. It's like, hey, we heard that you might have signed for this particular company, but we'd like to see if there's any way you would be available within a year. You'd be um, available for some sort of feedback with a gun whatsoever. And I just kind of corrected them. I said, well, I'm technically not signed because I never committed. I have a contract written up but I'm not signed contract. So I'm kind of technically available. So I'm a free agent and they immediately jumped on the gun and Beretta mm -hmm. didn't waste any time. Beretta um, immediately made a call and made it happen and flew me out. And they said, what does it take to get you to sign with, with us? I said, well, in order for me to sign with you guys, I, had to, I have to test the gun. I would have to like it. And then from there, see how the deal would, would turn out. And they, they, they couldn't get the gun to the US because there was some, um, ATF forms they have to get um, the production 92 F at the 92 um, performance. This one right here um, was already in the U.S. But however, I wanted to test the open gun because that's the one I wanted to pursue for now. And so they couldn't get that gun for some reason. ATF designed it. There was different guns, whatever. So they found out a way and they said, "Am I available to fly to Italy?" And once I flew me to Italy, they gave me they they put me in a range with three of their guys or four of their guys with a couple of media guys there and they loaded mags for me. Dude, like literally loaded mags for me and I would shoot and I said, all right, I'm gonna shoot this for a thousand rounds and see what it is. I got, I think within 15, 20 minutes, I got to an open gun alone. I got to about 1200 rounds. And then they were like, well, try not to burn out the gun. That's getting really hot. Cause 15 minutes and 20 minutes, I've shot over a thousand rounds already, like nonstop. The second I turn around, mags that were on the floor, they had new mags replacing for me. So I said, okay, let me shoot the production gun. Production gun, I shot, I shot another, goodness gracious, in like 20 minutes, I shot another like 1,000 rounds or so, right? Within an hour, I got about 2,000 rounds. And immediately they were like, well, what do you think of the gun? Um, how is it? And I said, well, the gun, the gun's good. And they were like, well, it's been 2,000 rounds. You said you need 1,000. Uh, you, you have a couple more hours here in range, but I would like to finalize this. And I said, <laughs> I'm, I've been sold. For like after the first 300 rounds, I just wanted to keep taking advantage of people loading for me because I never really quite had that. <laughs> right. <laughs> and so that's kind of how it happened. I, I fell in love with the gun, the guns, the trigger reset and all that stuff, the, the, the way they designed it, even though it's very almost like rough edge of the 92 um, performance, it, it, it was kind of patched up together. It's not the most beautiful gun in terms of aesthetics, but mm -hmm. the way it tracked, the way it performed, 
and being that this is their generation one, I had like, to me, I almost had the, the, the had to think about what we would look like in the future once they've had several years working down the road of this particular gun. And so they, they were like, well, let's go back to the shop. And we gave you, a, they gave me a corner, they gave me their lead engineer, they gave me a computer guy. And they said, I'm like, what can I change with the gun? They said, let's see, let's start with it. I said, well, I'm gonna start with the trigger. And immediately within, I would say 20 minutes, they changed the trigger for me and then installed mm. a new part in there, tested it in a range. I said exactly where I wanted it. Let's move on to the, the mount, the change in the thumb rest. And they were willing to change quite a lot of stuff, not, not necessarily the frame or some of the other stuff that's already been hardened, but like everything around it, they were able to change to include the, the racker, um, the trigger, the mount, and then, yeah, and then the magwell, like all that stuff kind of, and they were very open-minded about it. And I've never had a company that was, that let me run my reign essentially on the gun. And so coming up, they're already kind of starting to design other guns. And they said, well, we need your feedback. Give us a list of what you want. And all these lists are just like, okay, we're going to make sure it's heard. It's not just make a list. Okay, we'll, we'll, we'll see what we can do. These guys, right. it's been a totally different experience. And the whole, I was blown away basically by the way I've been treated with Beretta. It has been an amazing ride even though it's been about a year and a half um, or two years now, I guess, coming up. Oh, wow. So now your division of choice, I would take it is open, but there's also at the production nationals also. Yes, sir. So now are those the only two divisions you shoot or do you venture into carry optics or single stack? Yes. So I would love to shoot every division, right? Right. If I could, um, (laughs) Single stack is something that I'll probably come back to later on. But for now, open is an unfinished business. It's, I, my goal is to win the world championship in the IPSC. If I win that one, I can put a check mark on that one and probably move on to production or carry optics, one of the two. Um, obviously, I shoot production, but I would love to start shooting carry optics as well. Um, it's, it would be fun to compete against Max again and, and to see what it would look like in that division and how that game plays. Uh, Max is just dominating the hell out of that. So it'd be nice to see how it would run and how would how we would be able to fare out, right? And then Limited is also one of my favorite divisions. Anything Iron Sights, really, I like a lot. Um, over the dot, I actually like Iron Sights a lot more than I, I do with Red Dot, but Red Dot is just where you push yourself beyond that comfort level. And then, and then you know, it's a new age thing. So Let's try it out and see what it is. And I've been, I, I realized the other day, I came back home from a trip and I was sitting there thinking in the airport and I realized I've been shooting behind a red dot since 1989 or 1990. So that's been a very long time. Yeah. But the one thing about that time is you get seasoned with it and you know how to tweak it as far as performance to step it up or pull back a little bit. Yeah. You, 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 see, you see the revolution of mm-hmm. the whole technology base basically and at this point in time they've gotten smaller and smaller not only smaller but the you know the parallax issues are gone the the, the way the glass doesn't move it's gone the tubular thing got, well let me say it let me correct myself a couple of companies recently came up with the the tubular thing uh, so i don't know you know there's there's weird it's like it's like it's like a full circle they go away from the tubular thing so you can see more in this little pane of glass and then all of a sudden oh let's go back to this tube again because it's smaller or whatever i'm like oh gosh this is this is we're going back in circles <laughs> yeah that's how it's been in a different way business. Yeah. <laughs> so like you limited is my favorite division um the co-host um dave the mad scientist 
he's always been like, hey, try open, try open, try open. And I keep telling him I'm scared of open. And the only reason I'm scared of open is because that is a lot of money to put into that division. You know, so especially like the whole gun, because for people who don't know, an open gun baseline, like the minimum I seen was like $7,000. And that's like, like the top companies. But if you get like a real custom made gun, that's going to run you at least, you know, $10,000 plus. So yeah. I'm like, and then you got to change out all your gear, <laughs> your magazines. And I was like, oh my goodness, man. So that's the only thing when I say I'm scared of it, the financial burden that comes with it, that's what I'm scared of. It's a commitment. Yes. And that's what it is. <laughs> you know, So I'm, I'm head in with limited though. So, you know, let me tell you this, that's actually one of the main reasons why I jumped ship from shooting a custom gun that was about $7,200, $7,500. My model at Razor Cat, right, from Limcat. Mm -hmm. um, that's evolved um, 10 times over already within a few years. Technology keeps pushing, Limcat keeps pushing the designs and all that, all these open guys, right? So I actually wanted to go back to shooting a factory type gun and seeing if I can train myself hard enough on it and bring it to the highest level. So the gun that I'm actually shooting, this particular gun right here, this right here is going to be um, priced at around $3,000-ish, just like that, ready to go off the factory, right? And then, so I kind of wanted to see how it would compete against these, like you said, $9,000, $10,000 guns before even any magazines and stuff like that. And even, it's crazy, because like you could buy the most expensive one out there, but doesn't necessarily bode that it's a better gun. It's a lot of his preference. So you kind of got to go around there and test it all out. Um, one of my favorite actually is obviously Limcat, I'm biased to that, but one of my favorite other builders is actually um, EMG Customs, I believe this. It's um, by Eddie Garcia. He's, mm. the way he blends those frame to slide, it's it's amazing. Um, it's super smooth, super accurate. He does, he uses all the surface area to lock the slide back into place. So it's really consistent, but anyway, those, but the, even then, that can run you eight thousand dollars easy. Right. You know, that's that's a Honda Civic to me. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, um, like when I first got into Limited, I was shooting the Walther Q5, but of course, you know, by shooting the Q5, you're shooting minor, so you're chasing the major guys all day. The next wow. um, firearm I ended up purchasing was the STI um, DVCL. Right. I thought I was doing it then until I shot my buddy's um, custom handgun. And I was like, man, what's really going on? I got to step my game up a little bit more. So that a, a year later, I went ahead and got the um, Brazos custom, the SC yeah. um, series. And I really love that thing. You know, like, it's like, man, like, okay, what's the, where's the disconnect? But I think what it was, was when Brazos was like formulating the business side and the shooting, other people had started stepping in and then it was all about, Oh, I can do this. I can do that. But I feel like that firearm is that's where I should have started at instead of getting the SDI. But I didn't know what I know now when I got the SDI. You didn't know what you wanted. Exactly. Right? Simple as that. Yeah. yeah. That's pretty much what it came down to. Brazo has been around for so long. I mean, I've been in the U S 
shooting within the super squad since year 2000. Even he used to shoot in the super squad as well. Um, I mean, he's gotten a little older and all that stuff, but man, he knows what he knows how to build guns. He's an old school guy right. that went about it, building guns, making them work before he decided to go into the aesthetics, right? Some guys get into the open gun, making it look sexy and then trying to figure out if we could make it work. Kind of the opposite mindset mm-hmm. and Brazos. Yeah, he's figured it out for quite a while, for quite a long time now. Yeah, like I said, I, I love it. I love it. And one thing I did notice, the first thing I noticed the difference between the STI and the Brazos is it was a little bit wider and it was that little bit heavier. And then when I went out and shot it, I was like, this is what I was looking for from the start. <laughs> Just that little bit of weight, you know? So like I said, I, I love it. But then again, like I said, with the experience you have, you actually can formulate and I feel like you can actually look at somebody and say, okay, this might work for you or try this out and then go from there. Because um, my buddy, Jessica Hook, she actually stated that you was part of the instrumental assets to get her on to Beretta as well. Yes, sir. Yeah. So she, she gave you a lot of accolades about you That's know, awesome. JJ is the man and he knows exactly what he's talking about. And then she was talking about that, um, the handgun that she got, the Beretta. Well, the thing with Jessica is that she's so easy to, to bring in as a shooter. Cause not only is she, um, a good person, there's mm-hmm. no drama behind her in her history. Right. So she's a, you know, she, and she's, um, uh, she's got a good following. She's got a good presence on, on social media and she's pretty active. She, she does a lot of her own videos and all that stuff. Right. Um, and she, although she's not like the best shooter in her division, she has a potential to become the best. And I feel, I feel like sometimes people just need that little bit of support and either that will motivate them mm-hmm. or now that they have the support, they have that ability to go, you know what? I got guns now. I can go out there and not be afraid that they'll break because I have this support system. And so she, it was really easy to have her and then to see her kind of grow from there within even within the last six months to just see the changes and the more motivated, the more she's pushing herself to be out there a little bit more. I'm pretty yeah. excited to see where she'll be over the next two years. Oh, yeah. So I actually ended up taking a class with her. It was a movement class with um, Keita Bussey. Oh, yeah. And just watching how Jessica would break down stuff. And I was like, she's really going to step forward. And once she figures it out, she's going to, it's like, it's going to be a new person. Like, and yeah. she's going to be a beast with it. <laughs> yeah. So that's, she's that's a very uh, cerebral approach to things. Right. I guess is the word I would like to say. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the perfect example of how to say it like that. <laughs> so now you did mention like you was on a super squad. So can you tell us what it was like the first time you actually stepped on the super squad? But then what's the most challenging thing you actually have to deal with while being on the super squad? So the first time I've ever been in a super squad, it literally was almost a shock and awe. And I was more in there as a fan mm-hmm. than thinking that I belonged. I felt, I thought it was a, I didn't think it was an accident. I thought I deserved it through what my performance for the year. But once I got there, it was kind of one of those where I wasn't, I didn't mentally prepare to it for it. And I kind of was just like, well, I'm here. Shoot, I got to just compete against these guys. Like I was, I'm from the Philippines. I, I was born and raised there until 1993, right? Um, 13 years of my life. 
And so I didn't have any kind of aspirations or dream to ever shoot with the Sioux squad, even to compete alongside with those guys, my idols, like Rob Latham and Jerry Barnhart. And here I am, all of a sudden, I'm like thrown in the wolves. And it's like, holy cow, this is Rob Latham standing in front of me. That's Jerry Barnhart he's talking to. Like, when does this happen where I become a part of that conversation? When does this happen where I shake their hand and introduce myself? I didn't want to be that guy. So I just went into my shell, closed up, and just said, I'm just going to shoot my own game. But as much as you try to shoot your own game, man, once you do something good, like something impressive amongst the super squad, first of all, there's no respect for the new guy, right? They look at you and they go, all right, he's a new guy. See what he can do. And then I was that Filipino guy and everyone in the Filipino industry was always like, oh, they're just fast. Because Casey was here, JoJo was here, they're just fast, whatever. Get Jethro. And then, so he's going to be fast. Of course, I, I fell into that world. It's like, let me just push myself beyond my capability. And I would have fast times, but I wouldn't have the best hits and all that stuff. But anyway, fast forward through later, you learn through the years and how to manage personalities. The biggest thing nowadays, back then, the biggest deal with learning how to deal with the super squad in terms of stress was learning to not look at your idols as idols. You had to treat them as someone that was almost equal to you, as hard as that is, and then just respectfully try to compete and not involve them within your own mind, right? Because a lot of times when you're competing against someone that you're like, holy cow, this is my idol, and all of a sudden you'll shoot worse than you ever did. And it took me a few years to figure that out. Fast forward nowadays, it's kind of weird. I feel like I've been in the, we've been in the game for so dang long that 20 years later, I'm still shooting in a super squad. And now that the culture and the face and the demographic has changed, I was one of the younger guys coming up. And then now I'm one of the older guys. <laughs> and there's a bunch of younger guys looking at me like, holy cow, what is this guy doing? So my, my job now and my pressure now is kind of weird where I don't want, I don't want that new kid on the block just coming in and showing in, showing up and starting to get, starting to beat you and all that stuff, right? So, so I, I push myself harder and that's one. The second thing is, it's the same I, I, I game. Like you don't want to be influenced by that person shooting just because it sounds fast or looks like he's the hottest thing in, in, in IPSC or USDSA right now. You kind of just got to still shoot within your game and trust that your game and efficiency and timing is way better than that person, right? So, it, and then also there's a lot more different personalities. I had my own clique for a while. It was Max, Michelle, Chris Tilly, and Casey. We had a little group. We were tight. We would always talk with each other. And now there's this group coming in. And now, now they're, they're, it's a different weird way. It's like, I feel like they're like the millennials where they kind of coop together. And they're just like, we're going to be our own team. And we're going to be loud. And we're going to talk about each other's field course plan and all this stuff. And I'm like, man, you're, you're sharing all your field course plan. It's like you and I sparring. And I'm going to tell you going, hey, man, I'm going to jab. I'm going to fake a straight and I'm going to throw a left hook. All right, here we go. Try to stop it. And it's like, it is the dumbest thing in the world, I think, because I grew up in the days where Jerry Barnhart, I would ask him going, hey, sir, how would you run the stage? And he would tell me literally, he goes, as fast as I possibly could. And that's it. No. And Robbie would, would look at me going, yeah, why would you ask that question? Like, this is your plan. Stick with it. And don't try to copy mine because my might be different than yours and mine might be the best. And I don't want to share it with you because you and I are competing mm-hmm. for a title, right? So, and these guys are here going, oh, I want to, I want to share. Why don't, why don't you tell me what you're doing? I'm like, no, it's not. I don't want to tell you what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. I'm going to hide it as long as I possibly could. And, you know, and you can copy it afterwards if you'd like, but I'm not going to, I'm not here to help you. I'm trying to win. <laughs> That's what it comes down to. We're friends out of here, but we're not that close. <laughs>
right? <laughs> <laughs> now, part of that is I, I can get that. I do understand that. Um, and I'm the same way in a sense of speaking, but if somebody was to ask me like, okay, what do you plan on doing? I would tell them what I plan on doing. But of course, my plan, I never really based my plan off of somebody else. I did it one time before and I face planted when I did it. Oh yeah. <laughs> you know. <laughs> so the reason why I don't like to use other people's plans to the exact is because I'm stronger at something that person is not, just like they're weaker at something I'm not. So I might take their plan and maybe tweak it a little bit to comfort me. But in the gist of things, I'm like, okay, whatever you do is whatever you do. This is what I'm going to do. Now I might ask, okay, what's your direction of travel, where you start and where you're ending. And then I might analyze that compared to what I done. But outside of that, I like to do it all myself, <laughs> unless it's something I really get stuck on or the course has it, whereas it really forces everybody to do the same exact thing. That's the only thing far as me with stage planning goes, <laughs> you know, but it's also like one of those type things where you're always developing and you're learning more about yourself, the more you do it as well. You know, it's funny. That's a very like well experienced, well said what you just said, man. Cause I tell all the guys all the time, people want to watch a super squad to get the best plan. And I, I tell all my students all the time, I said, Hey, it's not always about the best plan. It's about the execution and how you execute mm -hmm. what with what you're strong at. Like I might be move into position and move out of position because I feel really comfortable shooting on the move a lot of times. Mm -hmm. And I figured it out how to do it right long time. And I've said several reps, but if you copy my plan and you're not comfortable moving in, moving out of position or shooting targets on the move, that's going to give you the best plan for you, for me, not for you, but you're going to have a shitty result. And you're going to think, man, that was the best plan. I don't know why I lost seven seconds because you didn't merge positions and all these other things. Right. So yeah, that's a hundred. I agree with you hundred percent. Right. Now, who is the person that you felt like is your arch nemesis, but you still have that cordial conversation with them, not to say like there's enemies in shooting, um, but the person who, you're tracking, whereas you saying, okay, I want to be ahead of this person or I need to beat them in this competition. For a while there, it was always, um, it was always the three guys. It was Max, Chris Tilly and Casey. And that's how it was. Oh, well, it, for a while it was all Robbie, Jerry and Todd and all these big boys like Mike Boyd, right? You chase them. And, when, and then once all of a sudden, like they start going other divisions, it was like left between the four of us, Chris Tilly, Max and Casey and I, and then, now all the other guys have started to divert into other divisions. I think there's only Chris Tilly, Casey, and I left kind of in the in the open game racing around. So now it's changed. And now there's, I would say, Christian Saylor is a new guy. Um, there's a like Speedy Lesgar, who's, who's come a long way recently within the last few years. So like those kind of guys. But really, even to this day, um, I would say there are two people that I'm really, um, that I'm really close with, but I'm really we're still trying to chase amongst each other. We just kind of haven't shot in the same division in a, in a while. And, and we still have these great conversations where we'll have in-depth talk. We're literally good, good friends, right? I consider these guys really good friends. It would be Max, right? And then, so when I shoot carry optics, I would actually have to let him know and ask permission. <laughs> this is like, hey man, I'm gonna go shoot for uh, carry optics. Um, later this year, I'm just giving you a heads up that thing, not a permission, but like, Hey, I'm just giving you a heads up that I'll actually shoot in this division. And then Eric is the same exact thing. Eric and I talk quite a bit. Um, 
several times a month, FaceTime each other, doing busting chops, doing whatever. Um, and then it's the same thing. Like him and I kind of separated our own ways going, he's going to shoot this and I'm going to shoot this. And we were supposed to be teammates and then uh, we're supposed to shoot different divisions or whatever. But then now that I went with um, another company and then shooting Beretta, shooting open, they're also developing their open gun in their world. So he might come back to the open world or same thing. He might come back to um, carry optics because that's something he's never done or won in a world championship. So he's hungry for another title. Uh, even though he said he was going to retire after the last world shoot, he's probably going to come back. A guy like that who's competing all his life is just not going to stop and yeah. sit and watch. Yeah, I mean, you got if you feel it, even if you're watching other people, you're like, I still got it. I'm coming back. Just like yeah. Michael Jordan did. <laughs> oh, yeah. And what did he do when he came back? He won like three more world championships, right? Yeah, and then Unreal. faded out and went back into yeah. history. <laughs> yeah, it's like, whatever, I'm done. <laughs> yeah. So like you just mentioned about carry optics, my thing is I want to make master in um, limited. I'm Bravo right now, B class. So master is the goal for me to make limited, but I also want to take a break from limited and venture into carry optics. But I'm still doing the research when it comes to carry optics, like far as looking for the firearm that I feel will complement me the most. Right now, my plan is to use the Q5 and get the red dot and make that happen. But as I stated, the uh, only thing I've ever done with an optic for a shooting is long range shooting. And when I was in the military with the ACOG and the EOTEX and the aim points. But that's one thing I do want to venture into. And I said probably next year because I'm going to try my hardest to move up this year um, within the limited division. So next year will be like a little break for me and then study carry optics and then come back to it. My only thing is I would think people who shoot with a red dot will get used to the red dot and then fade away from iron sights. And when I go back, it's like I'm moving backwards instead of moving forward. I, I, I definitely hear what you're saying there a hundred percent. Right. And there's a big concern where, cause I was an iron sights guy for years, um, started at iron sights and then got pushed to the open. Cause that was like the fun where everyone raced. When I started here in the U S all over again, I can start iron sights again, same exact thing, establish that baseline, the foundation, which you already have as well. And then got pushed into the open game because that's where like everyone was. That's where the big boys were at. Let's chase that and you went overall, whatever. And then only 18 years later to basically go back to an iron sights, which is unlimited. I was very concerned how I would treat the iron sight world, but my duty carry for years in contracting world, I always shot before the RDS came out, it was always iron sights. And I know I could fairly run that well. The only thing was a transition learning how to constantly look at the target versus being somewhat sight focused with the iron sights, right? Depending on the target. And so once I did that, I switched over to 2018 or even before then switching to production, it wasn't as hard actually. And the biggest thing about that I noticed was I was able to capture, not necessarily the best sight picture, but I was able to capture somewhat of a sight picture quicker than I did prior to in years before I actually ever started shooting behind a red dot. My eyes learned how to see faster because things in red dot was a lot more flowy and it's constant movement. All of a sudden like I was given a iron sight all over again and I pick it up and I'm like, 
man, this is almost constantly like almost a perfect side picture, just a little, little high, a little left, but it doesn't seem like it's doing this, like the red dot's constantly doing this and I got to make a decision when to pull it, right? And um, so I felt like I, I, I could see faster and process things faster. So it, I feel like it made me a better iron sight shooter. So with that said, if you want to start transitioning, you want to push yourself to limited high this year, I would start setting up your Q5 as soon as you can and probably break up your practice like 80%, 20%. 20%. Um, of your, let's say you go 100 rounds in practice, 100 rounds, 80 rounds would be limited and then go 20, 20, uh, 20 rounds of iron uh, of the red dot and learning how to transition your eyes. And that will only enhance your limited shooting for sure. Right. Yeah, so, you know, by next year, you're not completely switching. You've already started to make that transition. Make a transition. Through this yeah. Year. yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, I didn't, never thought about doing that blend of the two in like that. Yeah. That's, wow. yeah, for sure. Yeah, I learned that from Eric. Yeah. I like how that sounds. Yeah. Man. All right. So, um, Outside of that, does Beretta, are they going to venture into the carry optics world or have they already started that? Or are you going to be an intricate part in that? No, they've already started it way before right. I did. It was, that was always the goal. I mean, that's where you can see the trend is. This particular gun, they've already got a cut right here and they've already designed it. Uh, um, particularly, they're slightly different. There's a way, a couple ways to do it. They have T-nuts and all that stuff, right? It's, it's, uh, they don't have much meat here, as you can see right. on this particular thing. Um, so there's not much meat there, so they can't really dig deep down though. So, but uh, however, they can still mill it into the slide and the gun, um, the red dot sits on top of it. The best thing about this really is that the entire platform they did. did all the work right here and already reset as pre-travel and then it breaks. So it's a pretty reset. So it's actually once you get the gun away from this double action phase, it goes into single action. You technically have a 2011, 1911 style trigger. And that's what made me fall in love with this platform or with this company. Hmm. And little way they did that trigger. The thing else I knew I could shoot around it as long as it was accurate and, and reliable and not good. It has been all of that and more than I've ever asked for. Nice. So they've already ventured it, and that's why I'm, I think my gun's already on the way. I got to start training up on it. I got to shoot it just last month, trained a shot with it, um, shot a couple of field courses with it, and I felt really, really good with it. Super excited to have it in my hand because, gosh, the new design, I think, is going to be super exciting to see where it's going to go. Right. So now um, are we going to see commercials about the whole Beretta line coming out, whereas you and Jessica will be like on the forefront of that. Did somebody leak something to you? No, it's just a question that makes sense to me right now. Nobody <laughs> said anything to me. <laughs> so yeah, they did. And that's what I was able to shoot the, the prototype guns because mm -hmm. they wanted to film it. And obviously give me a chance and opportunity to shoot. I'm going to try to train as a training session. So I decided to shoot as much as I could in the little time that I had when I was with them over there. And then they were filming and they were making us, they had a filming company to push these products and stuff like that. And then the cool thing about Beretta is that they're not only the gun company, they've been around for a very long time. They're like the yeah. single company that's been owned by one person, the longest, right? Or one family, 500 mm -hmm. plus years or something like that. It's crazy. But um, what do you call that? 
um, have clothing and all that stuff, right? Like hats and shoes right. and shirts. And so it's been, like I said, I've been so fortunate locking in with us working with this company because it's, it's been an amazing trip, but with the new guns and the new designs, yes, we did. Jessica and I were out there filming and we were testing the new prototype guns and we were doing, I think they're going to make it look good. I mean, this, this anyone, right? If you just shoot right. normal, everyone's with the slow motion and their editing effect, they're going to make you look real good. So I think there's going to be some sort of promo reel when it comes out. <laughs> That's it right there. <laughs> that is it right there. That's what I thought. Someone leaked out something to you. I'm like, man, what's going on here? <laughs> no, no, I don't so much. Um, When people talk to me, I don't like to get in other people's business. Even if somebody was like, hey, let me tell you this. I'll be like, nope, don't want to know about it. You know, because of the fact I don't want to be held reliable if i was to say something then yeah. i'm the bad guy for leaking something i wasn't supposed to know about you yeah. know so i, I kind of shy away from conversations like that when i do talk to people <laughs> you know so um are you still doing classes because you said you moved from vegas to florida so is that i'm um, going to affect anything with you giving classes or any projects with um partnership with classes with other instructors no, so it's the, which is the cool thing. The coolest thing right now is I can be anywhere. Um, ever since leaving the government, we were so used to being anchored in one place, and you only you can only be there because of you know the needs of the agency, or whatever. And so ever since leaving the government in 2015, I'd had the ability to go wherever the hell I wanted, which is pretty neat. Right. Had some sort of freedom, which is really cool. Um, so now basically, I just need to be like within 20 minutes or 30 minutes up front away from the airport whatsoever and i can still teach so yeah i'm still teaching quite a bit last year was a really crazy year obviously with covid and all that stuff we didn't know how to say no we just kept on saying yes to everything so i ended up i think i counted <coughs> all together throughout the year i believe i traveled over 170 days from june not even counting before that right from june all the way to december and it was it was a ridiculously amount uh high amount of travel days and teaching so I didn't get to shoot as much. I didn't get to train as much. And I, you know, I devoted myself to training. It was really nice to see how many messages I got and how much, uh, how far my students have progressed. This year being that it's supposed to be the world championship year, my wife had decided that we're gonna cut back severely um, and only probably teach about two to three classes a month, mm. um, which is still good. However, it's gonna allow me a lot more time to develop myself and work and stay with the family and make up time for whatever loss. And, you know, even though you can't make up time, I do my best when I am home, I am home. Right. Cause that was my next question was when you actually doing all these classes, because at one point in time, I was like, man, this guy's doing classes back to back. When does he practice and how is he staying relevant with shooting? You know? So like, how did you actually balance it out? Because on another scale, there was like at one point in time, I'll be on Instagram. It'll be like one, two o'clock in the morning on the East Coast. And you're doing draw fire, talking to people as you're doing draw fire, <laughs> you know? Yes. So, so that's, that's how I kept myself relevant and kept the dust off from growing and developing as quickly as it should have. Because at one point there last year, I literally went five weeks straight, five or six weeks straight prior to nationals straight. I went to New York, Pennsylvania, New Jersey. And then I did that whole route all over again, like almost a circuit that went straight to North Carolina. And I was there for three weeks with the army guys. And then, you know, and then I, I, I went out there in California for another week. 
And I think I came back and then I went and I was home for like two days and I drove to Miami just literally three days prior to national. So, so stuff like that. And that was how the year went like back to back to back to back. All right. And it was home. I was home for me one day or a few hours and I had to fly again. And so stuff like that, when that happens, well, the way I do it is I just dry fire a ton. And, you know, a lot of times when I was doing that, I would share my dry fire sessions with a lot of the, my students or a lot of my, um, my followers. Right. So I would just dry fire and have a live session and then it would just come out and people would join me. And so that's what I did. And I just kept telling, I would just constantly visualize and work on my mental game, one. And the second thing is I wanted to work on my, my ability to be able to point the gun since I'm learning a new gun. This is a very new gun that I'm, even though I've been shooting for a year with it, it's a new gun. It's a different gun compared to my Limcat. And so I have to learn it and all that stuff. So I was able to get up there. So by the time I did actually pull the trigger when I was trying to train, it didn't feel as foreign to me. It felt like it was still an extension of my head. The only thing I had to get used to was learning the timing, the small nuances of the gun, understanding when to break the shot, when not to break the shot, how, how, how much prep trigger needed, how little can I get away with and how far my attack targets are and how close, you know, uh, how far I could shoot an accurate shot on, on a control target and all these little things. That So I kept doing that and I didn't get the performance that I wanted to, or the results I wanted to get at nationals. I wanted to win it, obviously, um, one for Beretta and two for just to, just to win it outright um, in open division. I ended up getting second, but I was happy by the way I shot for as little as I practiced. I was still able to manage second and actually had an opportunity to still win it near at the end there, except things just wasn't clicking as well as it should have. So I ended up falling short a little bit. Yeah. I mean, it happens to the best of us, but what they always say, there's always next time, right? But you're supposed to fail, right? And that's, man, that's, I'm telling you, that drives me nuts. Yeah. Drives me nuts. That's the best learning lesson also. Yeah. Yes, sir. <laughs> when you look at it from that perspective, at least that's yeah. what my dad used to always tell me, like failing is the yeah. best learning lesson. <laughs> it is. It is. It is. I yeah. agree. I agree. Yeah. So um, how can the good people contact you, reach out to you? see your videos, anything you want to plug that you're doing, this is that time frame. Oh, right on. So you could, you could always hit me up on Instagram, JJ Rikaza. Um, just type that out and it should come up. I don't think I have a lot of fake followers or fake accounts out there. I'm not one of those guys. <laughs> and then um, the other one, if people want to reach out for classes, just email my wife, jessica.rikaza at yahoo.com. And then I'm starting to do, I'm finishing up my YouTube video now where I, would, I break down my not a YouTube, I think, I don't know what it is, what platforms can be allowed, but I'm starting to break down my mental state, my approach, the way I dealt with a adversity in the match itself, seeing how I was able to progress. And a lot of guys, I've been getting hundreds of messages of people wanting to, I did like a little snippet of it on online, uh, on Instagram. And everyone was like, dude, you need to do that on a voiceover type. And you need to explain it a little bit more in detail because that was so valuable. And I figured I'm like, man, this is another way to give back to the community. If people think they can benefit from that, I'm definitely going to put it out. And uh, me and myself also, I thought back and I'm going, man, I wish I would, I would, I heard mental approach from Robbie, from Jerry Barnhart in, in regards to how they perform in a match, whether they won or lost. I kind of wanted to see that, see how they dealt with it and then follow that up with, in terms of practice and to continue to do that. So I will have some sort of, I don't know what to call it, a blog of some sort of running blog for all my matches that I'm going to be shooting. Um, and I'm going to start it with the nationals last year. Oh, okay. Well, that sounds pretty interesting. I want to check that out, you know. So, um, but like I said, other than that, 
I do want to thank you for coming on to the podcast. And of course, you know, like I said, you got a ton of followers, but everybody that's listening to the M-W Tactical Podcast, I'm pretty sure who those who don't follow you, they will come on board and check out what all you have to offer. Because I want to say the co-host, Dave, the mad scientist, he actually did one of your challenges one time. And he had told me he had beat you on one of the challenges, one of your reload challenges. So yeah. I think it was you put two shots on target, reload. Reload and, two shots. And it was like all had to be in the A zone. And yeah. he got you by like 0.2 seconds or something like that. Yeah. And yeah. when he had told me about it, of course, you know, I'm asking a lot of questions, breaking it down. And I was like, well, what was the one thing you did different that you felt like captivated you? And he was saying, like, when you do when you do your reloads, you got a rhythm of you're bringing it down and everything is still in sync, but you're moving. And it's like you're just doing that. But he stated what he did was when he would shoot, he just kept the firearm out there, put the magazine in, turned around. And that's how he felt he got that upper hand on you. Yeah, there's there's different techniques, right? Be keeping it up here, keeping it down here. Mm -hmm. I would tell you this, since he's talking shit. <laughs> I'm gonna post a video. I don't know when I can practice, maybe in two days. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna post it out there. I'm gonna call his ass out. I'm gonna look up his time. I'm gonna smoke that shit on the first try. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm gonna show him that my reload coming back down here, it doesn't matter. It's all a technique, whether you keep it up or down. I've done it, I've done I've done them both before. I'm mm -hmm. a lot more consistent when I bring it down because of limited when I started magazines before when you put 18 rounds it was really heavy to reload so i'm so used to seating the gun and the mag all at the same time before i punch out and so i would always do that and that became like a essentially like a development process that i started to, and i just carry it on to from my limited production to open and all any gun that i shoot but yeah i can still reload being up here but i'm a little slower so i'd, I'd rather bring it down and meet and greet sooner uh, all right. that stuff but anyway i'm gonna look up his time <laughs> <laughs> Dave, <laughs> I'm gonna get that shit right now. Sorry for my language. <laughs> this is me about to wreck your shit. <laughs> now, now, in Dave's defense, I will tell you that he has and his open gun is a Lemcat also. So he yeah. just ended up getting a newer Lemcat version of it. Oh, and, good. Um, that's that's a that's a big giveaway right there he has his right magwell it's a rightly designed gun so of course yeah. kudos to limcat not kudos to dave for beating my time <laughs> yeah oh, actually he just sent it back a few months ago actually it was either last month or november no it had to be last month so december he actually sent it back to limcat because um he has stated like the grip was too small for his hands so they had actually told him they was going to work with them and they formulated something and they're sending it. He sent it in. They're going to change it out and send it back to him. I'm going to tell you right now, that's one of the best things about Limcat. You can buy the gun from him. It's like mm -hmm. the sale after of the service after the sale. It's pretty freaking awesome. Like, yeah. Like, hey, man, I don't know. This gun's not working for me. The script's not working. I thought this is what I like. He'll freaking work with you and send it back and do whatever and give you a huge discount if not do it for free. Like I've seen him do it for free for other guns that wasn't his. He was like, "Yeah, I'll make it. I'll make it happen for you." I'm like, no, "Gosh, man, man. Yeah, such awesome. an awesome dude." Yeah, that's, yeah, like I said, that's an awesome person that does stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. But then again, like I said, the shooting community is just that awesome all around. You're 100 you know percent right. Yeah. So, but once again, though, um, I do want to thank you for coming on to the podcast, and um, 
thank you for sharing the knowledge and sharing your story. And anytime you would like to come onto the podcast again, like I said, just hit me up. You're welcome anytime you like. I probably appreciate it, Mike. Thank you very much, sir. Hey, no problem. So without further ado, please stay in your seats. Go follow JJ. And here are a few words from our sponsors. Are you in the market to purchase your first or next firearm, but find the atmosphere of a gun store intimidating, crowded, or uninviting? There's a way for you to purchase the gun you want while avoiding the crowds, the gruff salesmen, and the marked up prices that come with a brick and mortar gun store. The process is called a transfer, where the purchase is made in an online store or it's sent to a federally licensed middleman called an FFL, who processes the paperwork and background check for a firearm purchase. CAE Transfers is the FFL with the lowest transfer cost in the Midlands at only $20 or $15 with the presentation of a South Carolina concealed weapons permit and $10 for repeat customers. If you live in Columbia, South Carolina or its surrounding areas, choose CAE Transfers as your FFL during checkout and let me help you complete your online gun purchase. You can find and follow CAE Transfers online at Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram using at CAE Transfers. Thank you for your business, and I look forward to seeing you soon. Hey, this is Brian Conley at Hunter's HD Gold. If you've never tried Hunter's HD Gold, then I challenge you to find me at a match next year. Go to the website under scheduled events, find out where I'm going to be. Come meet me in person and demo a pair for yourself. Find out why shooters across the United States are changing the Hunter's HD Gold to get 43% more light to their eyes, better contrast, eyes that are not fatigued at the end of the day based on the, the colors that we use, and find out the real meaning of why they change so you don't have to. So check us out on our website, huntershdgold.com, and I look forward to seeing you at the range soon. The Gun Cleaners. Our solvent is, I think, second to none. Our lube is second to none. Their lube's heavier than water, which is just a huge thing. People don't really put a lot of thought into that, just how huge that is to have on your gun, especially with still carry. The gun cleaners. Oh, yeah, most definitely. You know, you're going to sweat a lot of the other lubes off. With ours, it'll stay there. The gun cleaners. And maintaining the quality of the process, the quality of the end result, is another and you guys are able to do both with the process that you have there order your supply of the lube and the solvent at www.theguncleaners.com thank you for taking the time to hang out with us on the m-w tactical podcast remember a new podcast comes out every tuesday if you can't wait for tuesday go listen to past episodes to catch up on what you missed make sure you visit www.m-wtactical.com and see what all is offered on the site where you can even purchase M-W Tactical apparel. But please, go to our Facebook and Instagram page and follow us on our journey in the sport of competition shooting in the realm of the two-way community. Until next week, keep shooting, keep practicing, and have fun.